Hey folks, welcome to episode 13 of the Tavern Chat Podcast. 13, the unlucky number, or or lucky. Now, today I am going to look at the Dungeon Master's Guide for First Edition. And uh, I'm picking stuff out of it that I don't recall ever reading. Now, a little history. When I was introduced to uh, role-playing, via AD&D 1E. My DM, my best friend Kenny at the time, uh, ran me through a, a solo dungeon. I killed a skeleton. It's all I can recall killing. But I'm sure I killed other stuff. Um, and at the end, he only had the DMG, so he had to call a friend. This was back when making a phone call cost like 10.6 cents a phone call even locally, and he called a friend to find out if I had leveled up. And I had. So I was a level 2 fighter, Cyrus. I'm sure I needed the Cyrus fans. Can't see any other reason why. But, before I got my hands on the books later that year, for my birthday, uh, I remember going away with Kenny's parents to Belmar, New Jersey, and Reading the Dungeon Master's Guide, front to back, back to front. I mean, I devoured that book over the weekend. And I remember when I had my own copy, that was my go-to book. I had time to kill. I read the DMG. I think I memorized the treasure, not just the tables, but all the entries. That being said, I'm looking at it now. And there are certain things that I just don't recall, not just ever using Never reading. And I'm just looking at the first couple of pages. Now, I do find it interesting that there's a sample of a bell curve given on page 10. At When I first came to gaming, I don't believe I ever knew anything about bell curves, linear curves. Well, linear is technically don't even have a curve, but whatever. They have a, a table up in front of here. So that was something that the DMG did for me. It introduced me to concepts that general schooling hadn't introduced me to yet, which is great. But then you scan a few pages forward, and yes, we all use the secondary skills table and character age. Yep, did that. But what we didn't use, I don't remember ever using I don't remember ever reading it was the contacting contraction of disease and and parasitic infection. Each game month, you may wish to check each character to determine whether or not he or she has contracted a disease or disorder. Check each week if conditions are particularly favorable, such as very hot weather, hot, moist weather, or filthy, crowded conditions in warmer weather. Check each and every time the character is exposed to a carrier in a way that would allow the disease to be communicated. Carriers can be human, animal, insect, food, drink, vermin, dirt, filth, etc. And then the chance and the base chance is two percent. Channel up if it's a warm environment, swampy environment, whatever. The base chance for 
parasitic infestation is 3%. Now, parasitic, you check each month for each character to determine if he or she has become infected with some sort of parasite. Check each week if conditions are particularly favorable, such as filthy conditions and warm weather, hot, moist weather. So if you're in hot, moist weather, you're checking for disease on a weekly basis. You're checking for parasites on a weekly basis. Who the hell wants to play a game like that? You did nothing wrong. You just you haven't even hit the dungeon yet, and you can, you know, die of a brain disease or oh, get rid. I want to I want to role play somebody with urinary tract in, uh, infection. That that's always that's always fun, you know, or parasites in my intestines because that is just so freaking awesome it, i'm sorry but i i know ad and d first edition had this tilt to it that it was going to be a more realistic set of rules than the the D rules prior to it, the basic expert rules or no there's a reason why a lot of things in 1e were ignored to the point where people go, huh? That was part of the system? And it was ignored not just by individual groups. They were pretty much ignored by the community at whole. Weapon speed. And I'm sure I can do a whole episode on weapon speed. Never understood it. Never used it. Read an article in Dragon Magazine on trying to explain it. Still didn't understand it. I was like... Uh, AC adjustments for weapon types. So if you're using a uh, long sword against chainmail, there's an adjustment up or down. All that stuff made the game much more complicated than the average group was trying to run with it and play with it. And again, I, I, I understand if we bring in disease and, and possibly parasites, now paladins have a reason that their cure disease is worthwhile, not just when being hit by, uh, what is it, rock grubs or uh, a mummy. But you know what? Those paladins have to dump a score of 17 or better in charisma just to qualify for it. Otherwise, you have to wait for your cleric Curiosities is what, third level? So you could die of a parasitic infection at second level and there won't be anybody in the party that can help you for no reason whatsoever. Again, that uh, rolling a character's maximum age, uh, just like uh, using, uh, I don't know, wishes. We never worried about the maximum age. We never worried about the uh, to go past score 16, it took 10 wishes, not just one. So you could go from 15 to 16 with one wish, but 16 to 17 took 10. We didn't have that many wishes in a game. If you got a wish, you got a full point because the party was lucky if in real time they came across five wishes and 12 months. And if you're going to waste it to increase your stat, so be it. 
at least give you you give you a full point for it. Yeah. Now the one part, the beginning part of the uh, DMT that we always use because we always wanted to be a name level character was the followers. You're a cleric. You gotta make your church. You're gonna get your soldiers. You're a fighter. You're gonna make your stronghold. You're gonna get your warriors to follow you. Uh, Ranger, God help you. Ranger would never have to actually role play with a group again once they reach tenth level because they'd get a list of followers with with not just character classes, but their character classes. You could get a human fighter at the sixth level. I mean, instant henchmen. And they were getting 2 to 24. You know, it wasn't like you were just getting a handful. Yeah, you could get animals in there too and demi-humans. But the fact remains that, you know, if it's a ranger, you reach the name level. It was huge. And this table, I mean, in my original DMG, there's probably two sections of the book that are stained by, you know, the finger or fingerprint oil or finger oil. And one with the combat tables because and saving throws because you always had to go to that spot in the book and the class follows table because if you weren't at the level you were always going to this going all right when my when my thief reaches tenth level what do I get what 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 professions what followers you know uh, it's just what we did but yeah disease. Parasitic infections. No. Say no to disease and parasites in your role-playing games. Real world is en- has enough crap in it. I don't need adding that stuff into my uh, my role-play. Again, there's no if there's no fun to be had having your character contract uh, con- yeah come down with something during non-game play time just for merely existing you're coming down with the disease yeah i'm sure it's realistic but it's a role-playing game about dwarves and elves and spells and magic items realism doesn't really need to be a part of it and there are games that do realism a lot better than AD&D ever did damn this became kind of like a rant didn't it but uh, the reason why I'm even here looking at this is because uh, last week was brought to my attention that the Gygax Memorial Fund was still mentioned in the back of the reprints that were being sold on one bookshelf. And uh, I, the reprint originally released in, what, 2012, 2013? In hardcover, limited money was going toward the fund. It said so in the back, and that's probably what gave uh, the fund most of its cash inflow. Uh, but here's the thing. These these print-on-demand reprints, the PDFs of these reprint books, had that same page in the back. And when I reached out to one bookshelf, the response that I got is, okay, well, we reached out to Wizards of the Coast, and... Yes, they're still supporting the fund this way. Which is interesting because the year after these reprints were available here on one bookshelf, 
I picked up Gygax Memorial Fund had a total of $10 in donations according to his tax return. So there's something not quite going. And I reached out to Alex Gygax uh, nearly a week ago. And he did, you know, he thanked me for the information. And uh, he says he'll look into it and come back with an answer. And it's nearly a week and there is no answer. I personally suspect there's no answer because Wizards of the Coast was giving one bookshelf the here's an answer to your question, just go away. Uh, and I was going to guess that the issue here is on the side of Wizards of the Coast. But we shall see. We shall see. All right, folks, thank you for joining me today. Uh, yeah, 13 daily episodes. Woohoo! Um, I'll be back tomorrow, possibly pulling some more stuff out of my ass. I mean, out of the Dungeon Master's Guide or, or, or other stuff. We'll see what's going on in the community. Uh, remember, on Wednesday nights, we do, quote, Tavern Chat, not as a podcast, but as uh, a live hangout in uh, the Tank Cars Tavern Discord server. And that runs from 9 p.m. Eastern until whenever. You can go to tankcarstavern.com. I will have the link up tomorrow for people who haven't already joined. It's always a good time. Sometimes the conversation lasts until 11. Sometimes it lasts until 4 a.m. Yes, we have some guests that can entertain that long. But uh, it's always a good time. So hopefully we'll see some of you there. All right, folks, be good.